0: On today's episode of Think Forever, I'm going to finish telling the story of Jairus I started last week. If you're joining us for the first time, I recommend you go back and listen to the previous episode, A Light in the Darkness, Part 1. In the scope of eternity, our lives are just a dot, on a line that extends with no end. In this podcast, I tell stories about people who believed that and lived it, so that by looking at their lives, we might better understand how to think forever. Episode 7, A Light in the Darkness, Part 2 Dead. Gone. She couldn't be. His daughter, his only child, just... gone? Jairus opened his mouth to scream, but all that came out was a heaving, guttural groan. He scraped his palms and forehead into the ground and felt the no longer solid earth beneath him. He smelled the sea, the fish in the market, and the stall of the donkey across the road. His mouth tasted like metal and blood. He opened his eyes and saw a puddle of mud forming on the ground from the lines of bilish spit running from his lips. He heard people. Too many people. Their stomping, shuffling feet, their whistles, claps, and cheers, all oblivious to the world that had just gone dark. The sun burned his neck. How dare the sun shine on this day? His mind and body retched together, suddenly torrential with anger, grief, and disbelief. This wasn't possible. Jesus had been coming. Why hadn't he gone to get Jesus sooner? or run faster, or pushed harder through the riotous crowd. She couldn't be gone. Only twelve years old, she shouldn't. But she was. And there was nothing left of the swelling hope of the morning. Only anguish and darkness. A hand grasped his shoulder, gentle at first, then firm, the shape of Jesus filled Jairus' view. The teacher reached out with both hands and grasped Jairus' face, holding his distorted, tear-filled stare for several mournful heartbeats. Finally, Jesus said, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. Jesus pulled him to his feet and motioned for Aram. Jairus clung to his brother and strained to regain his breath as Jesus had a private word with his disciples. In a sudden flurry of motion, the disciples spread across the crowd with raised arms, saying something about patience and important business. Jairus couldn't make out all the words. Then they were walking again, weaving through alleys and behind shops to avoid more crowds. Aram led supporting the stumbling Jairus like one might a drunk man after a few rounds too many at the tavern. Jesus and three of his disciples followed. John was there, and conversed quietly with another man, just as big, calloused, and stern-faced. The third was Jonah's son, Simon, who constantly checked over his shoulder as if guarding the rear of their processional. They must have been moving faster without the drag of the mob, but Jairus couldn't tell. His whole body buzzed with numbness. He was pulled toward home by the longing to be with his family and pushed away by fear of what he would find when he got there. Do not fear. That is what Jesus had said. Only believe and she will be well. What could he have meant where there is life, there is hope. But Ada had died because Jairus had taken too long to bring the one man who could save her. He didn't know what well there was to be, but he pressed on, with nothing to cling to but his brother's arm and the words of Jesus. Jairus heard the wails before they turned onto his street. The mourners had arrived quickly. Aram must have sent for them before coming to get him. Or maybe the doctor had arranged it when he realized there was nothing more he could do. Mourners filled the kitchen and spilled out onto the street, garments torn and feet bare. Some played flutes, others beat their chests and cried words of lamentation. Jairus followed his brother through the raucous assemblage and into his home. Some faces he knew. Others were unfamiliar, but all looked at him with the same pity. He felt a sudden and mighty rage. Their dissonance was an assault to his ears, their condolences vacuous and vain. They didn't know his pain, or Malka's, nor would they be present if their pockets had not been filled with coins. The entire tradition now seemed a disingenuous sham. He needed quiet. They needed to be quiet. Jairus was on the precipice of erupting at the whole congregation in anger when Jesus spoke. Why are you all making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. Those gathered went silent for a moment. Then, as one began scoffing at Jesus, their mourns turned to laughter in an instant. Out! Out! Jesus said, All of you, leave this house in peace. Some of the mourners began to object, but a second look at the burly fishermen with Jesus kept their protests short. Aram herded the remaining few out the front door. Jesus waited for the door to latch and the noise to quiet, then shifted his gaze to Jairus. Do not be afraid, he said again and nodded toward Atta's bedroom. Jairus entered into the tableau he had been dreading. Malka lay in the bed, cradling her baby girl, unwilling to let go for the last time. A faint lullaby escaped her lips, broken by helpless breaths and sobs. He circled the bed and knelt behind his wife, resting his chin on her arm and reached to brush the matted hair from his daughter's face once more. Her feverish skin had gone cold. After days of writhing agony, her body lay motionless. With her eyes shut, Jairus could almost believe she was indeed sleeping, but for her pallid cheeks and lips that had gone a pale purple. Jairus stood and buried his face in his hands, as if the simple act of covering his eyes would make the present reality disappear. His body swayed, and he feared he may lose his balance again. Jairus? Malka said. He snapped his eyes open and saw Jesus and his three disciples slowly entering the room. It's all right, Malka. He's... This is who I went for. This is Jesus. May I see her? Jesus addressed Malka with the gentleness of a shepherd caring for a lost lamb. It's all right, Malka, Jairus repeated. Don't be afraid. He said the last as much for himself as for his wife. She kissed Ada's face before grabbing onto Jairus and standing shakily to lay her head on his shoulder. She wept silently. Jesus lowered himself to sit on the other side of the bed, his kind eyes glassy with the beginnings of tears. Jairus held his wife tightly and watched Jesus take Oda's hand, while his own muffled heartbeat thrummed loudly in his ears. Above the din, he heard Jesus speak. Get up, little one. And Oda opened her eyes. She took a long, clear breath and sat up face to face with Jesus. Hello, she said. Hello, little one, Jesus replied, tears of joy now falling onto his compassionate smile. Malcolm made a sound something like a gasp and a shout and leapt forward to embrace her daughter. Jairus couldn't speak. He breathed in, then in again, stepping back in shock. The thump of the wall on his back shook him out of the daze, and he scrambled forward to scoop his family in an embrace. Abba, you're squeezing me, Otta laughed. Jairus laughed back. He held them there, sitting on the bed, the scales of anguish washing away in a flood of joy. He was dumbfounded. He looked at the disciples crowded into the doorway, each bearing his own expression of astonishment. Then he looked to Jesus. "'Come, get her something to eat,' Jesus said to them. Ada sprang from the bed, eyes bright and face full of color. "'Yes, Ima, I'm hungry,' she said assertively. Then, turning to Jesus, asked, "'Would you like something to eat, too?' Jesus gave a small chuckle. "'Perhaps I will join you.' "'Good,' she exclaimed, then went skipping into the kitchen, giving a polite hello to each of the disciples as she passed them. Malka hurried after her, and Jairus rose to follow, but Jesus stopped him. Jairus, Jesus said, it is important that you don't tell anyone what you saw here today. Jairus didn't understand. He had just witnessed a miracle— not only a miracle, he had seen his daughter's spirit return to her. That was not possible for a normal man to do. He could only imagine what Rabbi Toviah would say if he heard. Jairus looked through the doorway and saw Ada dancing back and forth as Malka prepared some food. He may not know Jesus' purpose in asking for their silence, but he didn't have to. The one who holds the keys to life could request anything of him, and he would obey. Of course, Rabbi, Jairus replied. Whatever you ask will be done. How can I possibly thank you? The gift of life is free, my friend, Jesus said. Jairus smiled, then went to the kitchen to dance with his daughter. Jairus awoke from a peaceful sleep to the smell of bread baking in the kitchen. There had been no nightmares the night before, or any dreams he could remember. No falling rocks, or paralyzed limbs, or screams in the dark. Just a long, wonderful, much-needed night of rest. He had slept downstairs in Otta's room so his daughter could sleep beside Malka upstairs. She'd hardly let the girl out of arm's reach since Jesus had lifted her from death the day before. Jairus looked at the stool beneath the window. The Narcus flowers were starting to wilt. He would go get more today, enough to fill the whole house if he could find them. Ada's little laughs floated through the door, and he smiled contentedly, closed his eyes, and recited his morning prayer, thanking the Lord for restoring his soul for another day. Jairus stretched to his feet and ambled into the common room. Aram sat with Ada on the floor, playing a game, bouncing little stones into a cup. Otta shrieked with glee when Aram scored two of the pebbles at once. Malka watched the pair with happy eyes as she prepared breakfast in the kitchen. "'Jairus, you got some sleep,' she said, without removing her hands from her task. "'Mmm, yes.' Jairus replied. Like a fat, happy cow. He walked up behind his wife, wrapped his arms around her shoulders, and kissed her cheek. And how did my girls sleep last night? Amazing! Otta chimed in from across the room. I bet you did, Jairus said, still holding on to Malka. Don't get too comfortable, though. Then, in a fake whisper, added... Your ema misses me too much when she can't warm her cold toes on my leg in the night. Jairus, Malka protested with feigned exasperation. Ada and Aram chuckled from their corner. All right, all of you quiet if you want to eat, Malka said, then looked over her shoulder at her husband and added a quick, shoo. Jairus kissed her once more and went to sit with his daughter and brother. You know, he said, leaning to Otta's ear, I used to beat your uncle at this game all the time when we were children. I was four years old the last time you played with me, Gyrus, Aram said, looking every bit the offended younger sibling. Gyrus laughed. Well, I suppose it's time to resume your lessons then, little brother. He scooped the pebbles in his hand, but before he could toss them, there was a knock at the door. He looked to Aram, who shrugged and shook his head. Jairus rose, wondering who could be visiting so early in the day. He opened the door to find an odd woman standing at the threshold. Wrinkles, too deep for her young face, crowded her eyes and mouth. Her clothes were worn threadbare, torn and re so many times that she looked like a cistern full of cracks. The bright morning sun illuminated thin wisps of hair flying out from beneath her head covering. But her solemn face shone. The light in her eyes was supernatural, and he could almost feel the warmth of her presence. Hello? he said, stepping out and closing the door to just a crack behind him, unsure how to address this strange, ragged, glowing woman. Her brows furrowed with sudden concern as she opened her mouth to speak, then stammered out, "'You are Jairus?' "'Yes,' he replied. "'Can I help you with something?' "'No, I—I heard what Jesus did for your daughter. "'It's all over town.' "'I'm not supposed to talk about that, "'but I suppose there was no keeping it hidden.' So it's true? She is alive? The woman started to cry and hid her face in the folds of her shawl. Jairus looked right and left, searching for any of her companions, but the street was empty, save for him and this sobbing stranger. What's wrong? he asked, utterly confused and lacking any better words. She raised her head and swiped at her tear-stained cheeks, then took a deep, calming breath and said, "'Yesterday, Jesus was going with you up the hill, and I saw him. Finally. I had been sick for a long time. I I thought if I could just touch his cloak I would be healed, so I crawled to him and—' She started to cry again, but the tears seemed like relief more than sadness— they weren't the desperate sobs of the broken-hearted, but the healing tears of relief. "Go on," Jairus said tentatively. "I thought I would be crushed and left behind, but I made it. I touched just the edge of his garment and I was well." 12 years. But then he stopped. Right in the middle of the crowd, he stopped and spoke to me. He called me daughter and said my faith had made me well. I was so happy. But I... I didn't know where he was going. I didn't know your little girl was... If I had known, I could have waited. I'm so sorry your family... Your little girl had to suffer. Jairus suddenly understood. His was not the only daughter who was healed the day before. He looked at the woman before him, dreadfully torn between the joy of healing and the anguish of guilt. Jesus' kind and compassionate smile flashed into his mind. What is your name? he asked. Hava, she replied. My name is Hava. And where is your family, Hava? She cast her face downward and said, I have no family. Jairus felt a stab in his heart as he thought of Ada wandering the streets of Capernaum, penniless and dressed in rags with no one and nowhere to call home. Hava, he said tenderly. She raised her eyes to meet his. He smiled softly and continued. For a moment, I knew a sorrow too deep for words. But now I know a joy that will last forever. My family now knows that Jesus has power even over death. It seems the whole of Capernaum knows. I'm glad he stopped to make you well. Come in, eat with us. Today we celebrate this new life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Forever. The story was written and performed by me, Joe Mayers, and produced by Aaron Kretzman. If you're enjoying our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to listen in next week when I'll be joined by Pastor J.P. Jones to go behind the scenes of this story, A Light in the Darkness.